you you need a season of discovery before you're ready to to make that jump into whatever that thing is. Your calling isn't something you're called to. Your calling is something that's being called out of you. Um, that's what vocation is. It's being called out of you, and it takes time to discover that. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Well, hey there, Wisdom for All Being listeners. I am delighted to be joining you here today. I just wanted to flag that in a couple weeks' time, the Yoga Brain course that I am offering is going to be going live. So please feel free to head on over to Wisdom for Wellbeing Pod or drcaitlin.com and get on to the Yoga Nerds mailing list so I can let you know when when the course is out, when you can sign up to get a bit more information about it, and there'll be some free training offered around it as well. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Hi there. Welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. This is a very special bonus episode, a wonderful interview with Todd Henry. Now this one's really dedicated to all you creatives out there. And as you will come to learn, come to feel through the course of the interview with Todd, all of you are creatives. You are creative, a problem solver. I think that existing in this modern day and being someone who's inspired by exploring wisdom, well-being, how you create a life that is meaningful to you, really puts you in the seat of how you kind of work through the different challenges that arise in your life and very likely this may be what you're doing in your work life or your vocation as well. So positioning himself as an arms dealer for the creative revolution, Todd Henry teaches leaders and organizations how to establish practices that lead to everyday brilliance. He's the author of four books, The Accidental Creative, Die Empty, Louder Than Words, and Herding Tigers, which have been translated into more than a dozen languages, and he speaks and consults across dozens of industries on creativity, leadership, and passion for work. With millions of downloads, his podcast, The Accidental Creative, offers weekly tips for how to stay prolific, brilliant, and healthy. And he actually shared in today's interview that he's been offering this podcast since 2005, which is quite incredible. Todd's book, Die Empty, was actually named by Amazon.com as one of the best books of 2013, and his latest book, Herding Tigers, is a practical guide for any manager charged with leading their team to creative brilliance. So if that's you, get your hands on a copy, and certainly after this interview, I have no doubt you'll be grabbing a couple of Todd's books. So without further ado, let me introduce you to him now. Welcome to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. I am delighted to be with you here, um, morning your time and a little bit later in the evening my time. So thank you so much for um, for making the space for joining us. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful you invited me. Thank you. So I guess just to start things off, I think Accidental Creative is a really interesting name. And I'm curious if you could give us a little bit of an overview of the amazing work that you're doing there. Yeah, the name uh, was a bit accidental in and of itself. Uh, it's, it's designed, it's Unfortunately, it's a bit of an ironic name because what I teach are practices to help you be creative at a moment's notice when you need to be. And, and so uh, it's about disciplines and systems and practices and, and, and infrastructure, um, but it's all designed to help you experience creative accidents, which are those moments of breakthrough, those aha moments in your life where uh, two things come together to form a new idea and something clicks. Um, but in order to experience those consistently, you need infrastructure and practices in your life to prepare you for those moments so that you're ready to spot them when they occur. And so that's what I teach. And I've been doing it uh, for, wow, 16 years now. It's pretty, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you're kind of highlighting that it's not so accidental. And yet there's these moments where things come together and there's an experience or, you know, a little bit of magic that, that draws something through. And yet the processes are not magical. They're discipline. Yeah, correct. Yeah. If, uh, you know, if we want to be brilliant in the moment's notice, we have to begin far upstream from the moment we need a brilliant idea. Uh, and most of the effective creative pros and leaders that I've encountered and worked with, whether knowingly or unknowingly, have a set of practices and disciplines in their life that prepare them for those moments. And it's interesting to me because one of the things that you talk through, and I think listeners are really going to resonate with, is that there's this whole life approach to it as well, that you're not like segregating your life's energy into separate domains. You know, it's not that you have one bank of energy for work and one bank of energy for your creative processes, if those might be something separate or an adjunct to the, the vocational work that you're doing or family, that all of these things consume our life's energy. And I think it's unique that you highlight that when we actually take stock of our week, our month, our year, we actually want to be looking at our life as a whole. And that may be where there's these intersections. Can you speak a little bit to this? Yeah, we tend to, to try to compartmentalize our lives into airtight compartments. You know, I've got my work life, I've got my, my personal life or my family life and my, my uh, financial life and my spiritual life and all these things. And we tend to think that uh, we can just treat all of them as individual discrete um, commitments, but we can't. We sit at the center of every commitment we, ma we make in our life and every commitment we make uses some kind of energy and there's a finite amount of energy that we have. Now it can be replenished, but there's a finite amount of energy we have to spend on behalf of what matters to us. So one thing that we need to be mindful of uh, is when we're making commitments, when we're saying yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Um, as a matter of fact, when we say yes to something, we're saying no to a bunch of other things. Um, and we need to be mindful about that because some people make commitments indiscriminately in areas of their life and they don't realize that, oh, that commitment in my personal life actually is going to significantly curtail the energy I have to bring my best effort to my work initiatives during the season or vice versa. Oh yeah, I'm going to choose to take on some discretionary work, but that's going to mean I'm going to have less energy to spend uh, building into my relationships or, you know, in other areas of my life. And so we just need to be good about pruning is something we're not good at, which is making sure that we are routinely 
saying no sometimes to, to good things so that better things can be born in their place. And so we need to be, um, uh, I would say, you know, very zealous about protecting our, our energy or as Lewis Hyde would call it, our emotional labor that we bring to our work so that we can, we can put our best effort into it. We can do a lot of mediocre work or we can do a little bit of good work. We have to choose uh, which, we're, which side we're gonna take. And how, how do we go about managing that? And I, I particularly kind of, um, I guess, maybe focused on the fact that we are, you know, so easy to access our emails and social media that these, you know, access points are right in our pockets and generally in our hands in front of our face. And, and we're so pulled for attention in that regards, but, but generally, how do we, how do we start to manage our attention and kind of actually define what is meaningful to us and how we're going to, how we're going to go forward? Yeah, well, the first thing, and you you hit on it a bit, is you know to be mindful of this dynamic that I call the ping. Um, the ping is that perpetual pin prick in my gut that says you need to go check your email, you need to go check your Twitter feed, you need to go check your social media feed, your Instagram feed. Um, you know, the ping has us living in a state of uh, what Linda Stone calls continuous partial attention. So I'm always kind of here, but I'm kind of somewhere else at the same time. And when we're living perpetually distracted. Um, as Linda Stone describes it, we are not able to see the patterns in our life and listen to the deeper themes that are playing out. Uh, and so what, what ends up happening is we, we just sort of go roughshod through our life and you know take things as they come and um, bounce off of opportunities and take the next opportunity because it's the next logical opportunity for us instead of being able to step back and strategically think about some of the larger patterns playing out and some of the through lines happening in our work. And so the first, the first step I believe is to routinely schedule time in your life to be off the grid. And that means to be away from distraction. And I don't mean by the way, journaling while you have your phone open in your other hand, you know, surfing, you know, or checking your email, or I mean, completely off the grid for um, a significant period of time. And people say, well, how long? And my answer to that typically is as often and as long as it takes to make you uncomfortable. Um, so <laughs> if you know, 15 minutes of being without your phone makes you uncomfortable, great. Start with 15 minutes and just spend some time alone. And what do you do during that time? Well, you can meditate. You can uh, just sit with a notebook and write whatever comes to mind. You can take notes. You can stare at a wall. It doesn't really matter. But what we're doing is we're training ourselves to be off the grid. Um, and this is in addition to building time into your life to study as well, um, you know, to cultivate wisdom. Um, that's also a very important discipline that all creative professionals need to have in their life is the study of discipline, uh, or discipline of study in some capacity. But um, additionally, this idea of breaking away from the pressures and the pings that we get every day um, and, and reminding ourselves that... Um, you know, and I once heard somebody say that your inbox represents everyone else's priority for your life. And I think that's very true. Um, you know, your social media feed represents everybody else's priority for your life, for, for where you should be spending your attention and where you spend your attention is where you spend your life. Um, so, you know, that would be my, my first bit of encouragement is dedicate just as much time as it takes for you to feel uncomfortable to being off the grid. Now, this can't be for most of us between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. You know, during a weekday because you know obviously we have to stay connected to our, um, you have to stay connected to our our job and our clients and whatever. But but you know, it could be first thing in the morning, could be in the evening, could be over lunch. I don't know whatever it is for you. Try to dedicate some time to being off the grid. 
remind yourself of what it is to be human again. Yeah, it's a different type of connection. And I suppose that connection with oneself, as you're really highlighting there, that that really ultimately is this honoring back of who we are and where our energies are. You mentioned creative persons there. So who are creatives? Yeah, so creative uh, professionals is typically who I try to speak to. Those are people who have to solve problems every day as a function of their job. Um, so we, we often conflate creativity and art. We think that, you know, oh, we're the creative people are the people who are off designing or making music or things like that. Well, yeah, of course, that's a form of creativity, but so is building a business. So is engineering. So is, you know, uh, uh, you know, being a, a biologist working in an organization, trying to find, you know, a, a solution to a vexing problem. I am certainly grateful we had uh, creative epidemiologists on, you know, on the job over the last year trying to solve problems. And so yes. <laughs> um, if, if you are creative, if you have to solve problems every day, you are a creative. And if you have to do that for your job, which all, most of us do, then you're a creative professional, which means you have to deliver on time, on budget in order to keep your job, uh, which puts us under a lot of pressure because creativity doesn't like to be organized which is why we have to do the organizing. We have to do all of the, the advanced work to make sure that we're prepared for when we need to be brilliant. And of course, that's all presupposing you actually have some talent too, um, but that's kind of the of entry you know, in the marketplace. I think that's a really nice way of defining it as well, because you highlighted there that it doesn't necessarily mean that we're a musician or an artist, but that we're someone who's solving problems. And of course, some of us, as you said, might be musicians, might be artists. And, and you do a really nice job, I think, as well of highlighting that our vocation might be different from our work. You know, the things that we do that kind of maybe speak a bit more to our soul or might be more um, our sense of purpose in the world for some of us might be different than what we do in that sort of nine to five period. For some of us, it might be that problem solving creativity we're using and that we def um, can create and cultivate an authentic voice as to who we are, which links, I think, a lot to our purpose in life. Would you be able to speak or kind of draw our attention to how we, how we find the sense of authenticity when we might feel discombobulated and like we've got all these different domains in our life rather than it being this cohesive whole? Yeah, I would say a couple of things to that. Um, so my friend Cal Newport says, we try to make decisions about our career at the moment when we have the least information available ever that we ever will have in our life. So a lot of people think I have to figure out in my late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, even late 20s, exactly what my life's purpose is. And there's only one. There is one purpose that I am to serve on this earth. And I have to figure it out because if I don't figure it out, then I'm in trouble and I'll waste my life. Um, and I, I, I encounter so many of these people who feel that way. And um, I just want to remind them, no, first of all, you don't have one purpose on this earth. You have purposes. You have a portfolio of things that you're capable of contributing, uh, number one. Number two, um, you know, you're not going to discover any of those things by sitting around thinking about it. You're going to discover those things as you try, as you fail, as you experiment, as you say, oh, you know what? I'm actually not very good at this thing I thought I wanted to do. Oh, but you know what? I'm actually, I've discovered I'm actually really good at this other thing. Maybe I should invest more in that thing. And you continue to move in the directions that tend to, um, where, where doorways are open to you, not because um, 
you know, you sat around and thought about it, but because you're showing I'm really good at delivering value in these certain ways. And I'm also, you know, it's something, it's something that really interests me that I'm willing to suffer on behalf of, you know, that's what the word passion means. It means to suffer um, in its root form. And so when you say follow your passion, what you mean is follow the thing that you're willing to suffer on behalf of, because you care more about the outcome than you care about your, your temporary discomfort. So, you know, it, it really is a, a process of identifying the patterns that are playing out in your life. One of the, the most controversial pieces of advice I often give to people in their early, especially the early 20s coming out of university is go take a job and stick with it for eight years. Like just go, go, go get a job and stay in that job for eight years. And you know what? You might dislike your boss. You might not like the work. You may dislike the company. You may dislike a lot of things about it, but you're going to learn a ton and when you're 30 years old and you're thinking about making a leap and doing something different, you're going to have a huge amount of information at your disposal that you can use to help you make those decisions. And not to mention, you're also going to have a lot of experience. It's going to help you leverage into a better opportunity. The problem is people get out of school and they think I've got to figure out the thing. And if, if it's uncomfortable for me or if I don't like it or if it's hard or if I, you know, I, you know, maybe I want more flexibility or more freedom then they think, you know, well, I've, I've obviously chosen the wrong path. Um, it's not true. I was in my late thirties before I realized what was being called out of me to, to teach and, and, you know, to teach and train creative professionals. Um, I spent the first chunk of my career leading creative professionals, um, trying to build teams, figuring out where my weaknesses were, trying to figure out where my strengths were, all of those things. You, you need a season of discovery before you're ready to, to make that jump into whatever that thing is. Your calling isn't something you're called to. Your calling is something is being called out of you. Um, that's what vocation is. It's being called out of you. And it takes time to discover that. That's really beautiful. And it really highlights too what you kind of talked about earlier, how different areas of your life come together because you wouldn't be able to teach at the level you do now. And in fact, your latest book is all about leadership. So, you know, you can see how it builds and comes together and you talk readers through creating a manifesto around where they're going. But I think that as you highlighted, that life experience allows us to be flexible and shift and build over time. So listeners that are that are curious, that are wanting to learn more, what are the best ways to kind of get in touch with you, Todd, and keep this conversation going? I, you know, I'm well aware that there are a number of wonderful books and um, authentic voices kind of where I've been focusing more recently, but, you know, originally started with Accidental Creative. What, what can we learn? Where can we go? Yeah, the best place to go is toddhenry.com is kind of my, my personal website. Uh, you can learn more about my work and my speaking and my books and all of that there. Also the Accidental Creative Podcast. Uh, I've been doing it since 2005, even before I was I started my company. I've been doing the podcast and I uh, just crossed, um, I think, uh, 11 million downloads for the show. That's incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, I've been around for a while and uh, got a really fun uh, audience that we communicate with. So if these kinds of topics are of interest, that would be a great place to go as well. And actually, I do want to highlight because listeners were very curious about um, the Getting Things Done system, which was one of our early um, interviews. And you've got an episode that actually streamlines the Getting Things Done system. So listeners that um, you know enjoy David Allen's podcast, that is a fantastic place to kind of figure out a streamlined approach. And like you said, when you have systems in place and discipline, creativity can, can be brought forth with more ease. 
So for sure. Yeah, David is a great guy and we've, we've had a number of conversations and I, I, he obviously his framework really changed my world, my professional world when I started implementing GTD. Um, and he and I have also had many conversations where I've sort of poked at some of the things that he's, you know, that he's sort of held up over the years and um, the way we treat time is one of those things. But, uh, but I mean, overall, I mean, I'll say like GTD um, radically transformed my professional life when I, when I began implementing it uh, in 2002. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been really fun to see uh, his work just continue to resonate for decades now. It's been, been pretty, it's hard to say decades, but it is, it's decades um, now uh, that his work has been resonating so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, Todd, thank you so much. And listeners, please connect in with Todd's work. I have found it so beneficial myself. And I think it's going to be really important for us to recognize that in this, this current time, we are all creative. We all need to solve problems and pull back from the pings. So thank you. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Todd and you are as excited about the idea of going off the grid as I am. I think that the advice to practice being off the grid for as long as it takes for you to feel uncomfortable is a really nice marker and milestone. You know, Todd really highlights in his work that we need to be a little bit uncomfortable, that ultimately if we are not a bit uncomfortable, we're atrophying. And this idea of making the space for us to actually check in with ourselves, I think is an incredibly rich and meaningful piece of advice when we can feel so disconnected from our sense of self and who we are. And I think it aligns really well with his advice to create a manifesto in terms of finding your authentic voice, checking in with your who, what, and why. Of course, check out the podcast, Accidental Creative, and you can find Todd at toddhenry.com as well as at accidentalcreative.com. And there you can find more information on the work that he is doing, his podcast, his books, and really just keep in the loop with how to maintain inspiration at that moment's notice through these wonderful practices of discipline. I will let you go. Grab your journal, perhaps, grab a cushion for your meditation, deeping yourself and give yourself that off the grid detox experience as such. And of course, perhaps we'll reconnect when we're pinged back in our next podcast very soon. All right, bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.